from New Christian Life Church, located at 3945 Old Boynton Road, Boynton Beach, Florida, 7828, where the pastors are Richard and Emma Butler. Thank you for another opportunity to give your word, Lord. Lord, as I come before your people today, I ask that they receive the word and, and love and humbleness from the bottom of my heart. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the healing that you're sending out today from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. And I thank you. I thank you for everything you've bestowed upon me, especially the leadership that you've given me, Lord. I am truly grateful. I give you so much thanks and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say amen. amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Good morning. Oh, I feel much better now. I had to take a walk this morning and really loosen up and but I'm thankful. I'm truly thankful. Nineteen not nineteen ninety nine, but twenty nineteen is coming to an end. And this year I have really learned a lot. Um It's like 2020 is right around the corner. It's near, but yet so far. I feel like I've been in a race all year, and I'm right to the finish line, but I got a cramp in my leg. I'm like, Lord, help me get there. This year has brought so much change, but I've learned so much from this year. I've learned one of the biggest things I've learned to be grateful and to be thankful. I'm thankful for so many things. First of all, I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thank I thank each and every one of you for the prayers that you've given me, for being there for me. I thank you. I truly thank you. I would not have made it this year without you. And the title of this is from, from Hopelessness to Seeing Through God's Eyes. <clears throat> First and foremost, I want to thank God and also ask God to forgive me for any doubt I've had in my mind any unforgiveness that I had in my heart. I ask him to forgive me 
for wanting to give up. For the unbelief I've had in my heart. Because we've all, even though we have these titles, we still fall into situations where we feel hopeless. <clears throat> and I thank God because I had so many people surrounding me. When I fell in these situations, I was able to bounce back. When I fell in these situations, I really didn't know what to do. And of course, I had that, that voice in the back of my head saying, you know, if you wasn't a minister, you wouldn't go through this. I went through so much. It honestly, emotionally, it broke me down. It, and, it's, and it started at the beginning of the year. And it went all through the year. All the way through the year. But you know why I'm grateful? Because a lot of people say, lean on him. A lot of people say, I get my strength from him. But I can honestly stand here and say, I got my strength from him. And I, I'm still standing strong because of him. This year was, I'm telling you, this had to be the roughest year. You know, I, I, I strolled through Facebook. And I, I know I'm not by myself. I don't know what it is about this year, but this year brought a lot of, this, this is one of the pretty, I would say for a lot of people, it's one a bad year. But I look at it as a learning experience. Because I am that man of God, I look at it as a learning experience. And when God allowed me to go through these things, I lost a lot of hope. Honestly, I did. And be, it started out in January of last year. No, I'm sorry, not last year, this year. This year not over yet. January 9th, my wife was feeling sick and tired. I took her to the hospital. We got to the hospital. They ran tests on her. The doctor came back. And... He already knew what it was, but he said, let me, do, let me do this test again. Did the test again, and he came back and told us it was canceled. Now, when he said that, my mind lost it. My wife laid in the bed calm. Now, I, I thank God for the woman of God that I have. Now, the doctor came back, and I lost it. I walked out the, um, the hospital room, and I cried. Because the first thing coming to my head is, if I lose this woman, what, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What happens to my life? All these issues that I had became petty all of a sudden. All this fussing and fighting I did with other people. Then you start to ask yourself, is it really worth it? And Jesus. Once again, I turned to my church family. I jumped on the phone and I called Minister Macon. When we, after we prayed, 
It's like I had a new strength. I went back in the room and I, I talked to my wife. Now, I had to go get strength. But my wife, she said, I'm not worried about it. I got God. And I'm looking at this woman like she's laying here and she got all this bad news and she didn't, she didn't flinch a muscle. She didn't let that bother her at all. Now it seemed like one thing after another kept happening. After a few days at the hospital, the doctor tried to send her to Miami to get chemotherapy. She told him, I'm not doing it. She said, I'm trusting in God. So the doctor said, well, okay, you trust in your God all you want. But if you're not going to do what I say, then you don't need to be here. And she said, well, if you feel that way, then I don't need to be here. The doctor said, well, discharge her. She don't need to, she's not going to do what I say, so discharge her. So this man throwing my wife out the hospital. And me and the doctor got into it. I almost lost it. So I had to walk away and come back because I had to go to God again. Oh, Jesus. The old me almost came out in the hospital. And I went outside and I had to pray. When I prayed and I came back, the other doctor said, well, he can't do that. You know, we have to look at you. We have to hold you for a few days to make sure you're okay. I thank God again. We left the hospital. She ended up going back to the hospital. When she went back to the hospital, she refused chemo again. The doctor told her, if you don't take chemo, you got three months to live. Well, I lost it again. I lost hope. And it's like, every time we go back, this doctor keeps giving us different diagnosis. She's going to die in three months. Well, every time I keep losing it, every time I turn to my church family, they pray for me. I end up bouncing back. That's why I think so many people in here. When I was in the hospital, when she was in the hospital, you know, it was times I sat there and I, I really lost hope. I'm like, Lord, why? Why me? Why we got to go through this? But the Lord always found a way to keep me bouncing back. My church family would show up. I thank Minister Jessica. I thank everybody. I thank Pastor, Mother for the phone calls. They would pray on the phone. I thank you, Minister Joy. She would pray for us. And it's like, got on the phone and I would talk to Minister Joy and she would pray and my wife would bounce back. And I thank so many people. If I didn't call your name, please don't be mad at me. But my church family helped me bounce back. Every time I would lose hope. And I, I, I can't understand why God would allow certain things to happen to us. Now, while my wife's going through, I'm thinking about these three months. 
We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. Three months went by. Not only is my wife still alive, she complaining about she wants something else to eat. She don't want just vegetables. I got to cook this. I got to cook that. Now, at first, I took that as this woman ungrateful. But then I thank God that she was able to complain. Then I was enjoying hearing that complaint. One day, I would cook the vegetables too hard. Next day, they too soft. But I thank God. Them three months was up. I went back to the hospital July, July 30th. I don't know. I just remember these dates like July 30th. She was discharged from the hospital. Once again, she told the doctor, I'm trusting in God. Something about saying you trust in God will make a doctor lose his mind. Because he feel like I have all the degrees, I have all the, I have everything. But you trusting in somebody else other than what I say? That would, something about trusting in God would tear a doctor up. The doctor told her, you got a month and a half. If you do not get the chemotherapy, therapy, July 30th, she had a month and a half to live. Now, July 30th. She got dismissed from the hospital. Now I'm thinking the most she got is a month and a half. September, say, 13th, which is my birthday, was about a month and a half. So the closer I get to my birthday, the more I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I don't want to go. I don't want to see my birthday. My wife, trusting, and once again, I'm losing hope. My wife, trusting in God, we prayed. Minister Joy, once again. Minister Jessica came to the hospital. I thank the entire Denison family. It was there for us. It was time we was in the hospital. Even Charity came by, thank you. And sometimes my wife was in the hospital and she didn't like her nurse. Charity would come in. My wife would tell her something was wrong. No, Charity is soft-spoken. But when she left out and the nurse came back in, it was a whole different attitude. <laughs> so I'm like, Charity must be got a gun or something. <laughs> but I thank you, Charity. And... The nurses would come back in with a whole different attitude. It's like she was at a Ramada Inn or somewhere, Embassy Suite. They would treat her with royalty. The month and a half came when it was close to time. Every time I get ready to speak, right before I speak, my wife will get rushed to the hospital. I'm like, Lord, why? Why is this happening? I just told Minister Tim, okay, I will preach. I agreed to it. Now I had to make a decision. Do I call Minister Tim or do I go ahead and do what I'm supposed to do? So I had to go to the hospital, make sure she's okay. 
while I'm in the hospital, I'm writing and reading, writing and reading. Because when we're doing God's work and we focused on what we're doing, we can't let nothing stand in our way. Nothing can be a stumbling block. There's times I wanted to give up. There's times I wanted to call Minister Tim and say, listen, I can't do it. This week, the same thing happened. Now, this woman, she can, she's just as stubborn as she can be. I keep telling her, you have to go to the hospital. You have to go to the hospital. Well, I'm waiting for my doctor's appointment. Now, I have to preach today. I took her in the doctor Wednesday. When I took her to the hospital, she had a super high fever. Her pressure was real low. The doctor said, we can't even see you. We have to rush you to Wellington. They rushed her to Wellington Hospital Wednesday. And right now she's in the hospital. She has gotten better. And I thank God because this year they told us she wouldn't live twice. But my wife trusted in God. Now, at the same time, I'm going through the same thing. And it was times, every time I have to get up and either teach or speak, that's when everything happened. Earlier this year, I had a problem with my eyes, and I had to teach Bible study. Right before I got up in the seat, I stopped right there. I couldn't see the problem was I had an issue with my eye. I had a blood vessel in my eye. And if I didn't get laser eye surgery, it would start pumping blood. Now, the blood got in my eye. It's like, you ever got a piece of paper, put a, uh, some paint in the middle and fold the paper, and it's like a blotch? That's what I was seeing. And I panicked. Now... I wanted to, I fell into hopelessness again. And I'm like, Lord, this always happening to me. And it always happened around the time I got to preach. But that little voice in the back of my head kept saying, you need to just give that up. You won't have these problems if you give up. Just let it go. What are you doing that for? These people don't hear you. But I had to push forward. Now, the same woman that trusted in God came up here during Bible study, and she read for me, and I broke it down. But we got the word through. See, the devil's doing all, everything he can to stop us from moving forward. He's doing everything he can to put us in a hopeless situation. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I lost my sight, I really wanted to give up. For a short moment, I said, Lord, I can't live like this. I thought about death. For a short moment, I mean, people don't understand what it is to lose your sight. Now, every time I would go into hopelessness, this one time I cried out to God. I had to stand on that word. Psalms 34 and 17 says, when the righteous cry out, 
the Lord hears and he shall rescue them from their troubles now I cried out like never before I laid on that bed and my wife came in that room and she was shocked I was surprised because when you get in a desperate situation real desperate well you will cry out like never before but God gave me a solution he said go home fast with nothing but water for three days I went home nothing but water it cleared up it cleared up but after it cleared up I rushed to the hospital down in Miami because they told me up here in Lake Worth well and see these doctors work hand in hand well you have to get an EKG you have to get this kind of test that kind of test before I do the surgery so I said no I'm not doing all that so I went down to Miami Baskin Palmer emergency room when I went down there they brought me in they looked at my eyes they said are we doing a surgery right now I said right now <laughs> said yeah so I'm hearing in the back of my head you wanted the problem fixed right so I'm like, okay, Lord, but I wanted to get time. I wanted to prep for this. Because I, 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 talked, in a, I talked about laser eye surgery. People told me what it was, but I, I wasn't prepared for this. So he explained to me, see, all right, we're going to go in here. You're going to put your chin on here. You're going to look in here. I'm going to shine this laser right in your eye. Don't blink because I don't want you to burn your eye. Wait a minute. So you're going to stick a hot laser in my eye. You don't want me to blink because it might burn my Yes. He said, I'm going to just close up the vein and so they won't bleed anymore. He said, but after this, you're not going to be able to see for a couple of hours. It's going to be like a blinding light. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Once again, I cried out. I went in that room and he said, well, I'll be right back. I went in that room. I said, Lord. You say you'll never leave nor forsake me. If you're standing right here with me, please hold my hand and give me a peace like never before. Because they finna put a laser in my eye. And I got to look directly in this. You got to look in this laser. So I put my chin on there. I looked in and he'll hold it open. First they put a droplet in there and they numb your eye. Then they stick a laser in there and they just, you can smell it. I could smell my eye cooking. <laughs> and he did the laser. And even before I, he did that, I almost lost hope. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's worse, the problem or the solution. But I prayed, and I, while I was sitting there, after a few seconds, I got real comfortable. The doctor said, okay, I'm going to help you get comfortable. He played some music, asked me, which, which station you want to listen to? I said, why are you doing surgery? He said, yeah. I said, okay, give me some jazz music. Played some jazz, and, you know, I love horns, and I like to hear those horns. So that kind of relaxed me. It's something about horns that make me relax. But he did the surgery. I couldn't see for hours. But I don't have that problem anymore in my, in my right eye. We have to do the left eye. He did a little bit in the left eye. But he said, I'm going to have to come back later when it clears up more. But why am I telling you this? 
because even as a man of God, even my wife as a woman of God, there's times we lose hope. There's times we all lose hope. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and lie to you and say, oh, I know God, and I'm not, you know, there's never a time I'm not, oh, it's, it's sometimes I'm hopeless. But I know how to stand on that word. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to think about this for a minute. What about the people that don't know God? What about the people that don't know God and they get into a hopeless situation? Now, the reason this came about, Jesus. the reason that came about is because I have a part-time job at UPS now. So we had an issue with, I know everybody saw it on TV where the UPS guy got kidnapped and the police ended up killing him, the robber, and the UPS guy. Okay, a lot of people were heard about that. And I heard some comments on Facebook. And people went so far as to say, I hope he burn in hell. They deserve that. Not the UPS man, but the robbers. And I thought about it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for where God has brought us. The old me probably would have looked at it that way, too. You know, these guys, they're out there, they're doing something they don't have no business doing. But let's look at it through God's eyes. And let's say to ourselves, what if we had a role in that? Now, let me explain to you. As men and women of God, What's our job? What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to be about our father's business. And it says in Luke 19 and 10, the son of man came to for lost souls to save lost souls. Now, let me ask you this. What if it was our, what if it was our duty to talk to those young men before they died? would they have still taken that same route? How many people that come in here every day or every week or not even just here, McDonald's, Burger King, the mall, and Holy Spirit said, go talk to that young man. How many times we have missed our duty to talk to that person? When we miss our duty to talk to that person, When we miss our duty to talk to that person and that person falls into a hopeless situation, what happens when that person takes drastic measures or make bad decisions? What happens? Is, does that fall on us? Think about it. When we stand before God and God says, I told you to go talk to Jim, John, and Jerry, and you never did what I told you to do. But he lost his life or he took a bad route because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Think about it. Part of this is our, pro is our, is our problem. 
we supposed to be the salt of the earth. We supposed to be preserving goodness. So what happens that crime and so many things, so many bad things are increasing? There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people dying more now than ever. I like to stay current with what's going on. Human trafficking, I don't know what happened, but there was this, there's been a spirit released on this earth. And we this human trafficking has gotten totally out of hand. Not just human trafficking, but young men being killed by the police. What if it was our duty to, I'm not going to say what if, it is our duty to talk to these young men. Instead of calling them thugs or let's change the way we talk to them. If they're where they're at because we didn't do what we supposed to do, think about it. Think about it. Why am I saying this? Because I've, I've fallen into a hopeless situation a lot of time. And because of my church family, I was able to bounce back. Because of me knowing the word of God, I was able to bounce back. Because I was able to pick up the phone and prayer was accessible to me. And my family was accessible to me. I was able to bounce back. Are we doing what we supposed to do? Or are we fighting and bickering and arguing over petty situations? Are we pointing at each other and arguing over little things? Are we really doing what we supposed to do? Are we compassionate to the people like we supposed to be? Or are we talking down to them about what they're weighing See, I'm saying this because I was, that, I was that boy one time. But see, somebody planted a seed in my heart a long time ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in elementary school. And my dad took us to the youth fair. When we left the youth fair, it started raining. So we was running back to the truck. I was the last one. So this guy had to be like two years older than me, stopped me. He had a cigarette light in his hand, and he lit it. He said, put your hand over there and see how long you can hold it. I put my hand over it, and I snatched it back. He said, you couldn't even do a second. I said, man, that thing hot. He said, okay, think about this, this lighter a million times hotter, and you burn it for eternity. That thing stuck in my head. You know, I couldn't sleep when I went home. I was a kid. That guy messed my head up. But when, he, when I walked away, my mind being curious, I turned back to ask questions. This guy was gone. I don't know who he is, why he chose me, but that stuck in my head my whole life. And I had to be maybe 10, 11 years old. But... We have to make it our business this, in 2020 to focus more on what our, our true calling is. 
And we have to be like the parable, the lost sheep, Luke 15. We have to go out and find that lost sheep. There's a lot of young men out here that just need a, a, a good word. They need to be guided. Like I said, I was that young man. There's a, when I was young, I didn't know about, I loved driving trucks. That's something I wanted to do when I was a kid. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know the direction to go in, but somebody taught me. Somebody sat me down and talked to me. But I went in the right direction because somebody took the time to talk to me. A lot of times we look at people and we say, well, I got a job. Why they can't get a job? We got to look through God's land. And we got to say, this young man need my help. Stop being so 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 high on the horse or have my my grandparents say high on the hog that you can't help other people out get out of that way of thinking stop thinking you so up here you know as teachers we got to be humble you know god has really taught me to humble myself this year you know i, I i've lost a lot i dealt with a lot he's taught me to be humble and you can tell I've been reading in Luke all last night. But I was reading and he was talking about warning against teachers of the law. And that's in Luke 20 and 45. Warning against teachers of the law. What he's saying is. We have to be careful about wanting these titles. And walking around with these high titles, wanting people to speak to you with respect. You know, you want to sit in that, that big chair at the banquet and you walk around with long draping robes. But where's your heart? You know, he talks about the maker of the laws. They get up here with these lengthy prayers. And is it coming from your heart or is it for show? I mean, wearing this title is not just just a pre prestigious thing to show off. We have to be about our father's business. You know, I, I had an issue the other day where I could have went on about my business, but I could not. My heart just wouldn't take it. I couldn't leave that young man right there. I was on my way to work, and this bridge that goes over Congress right there where Cheney Brothers is, young man, I didn't even know it was a, a, a young man. I was coming up the bridge, at least you know I need more glass. And I saw this, I saw something in the street, and I saw two cars stop. I didn't know what it was, but when I got close, I saw it was a young man laying in the street. Well, he was laying here, and his motorcycle was up there. Well, the lady was telling me, don't get out, don't get out. He got a gun. When I looked down, this boy, he was out. But the gun fell out of his pocket. I don't know what he was doing, where he was coming from. But she jumped on the phone and she called the police. When she called the police, I saw him grab the gun and put it back in his pocket. Now, I could have just pulled off and leave it alone. But my heart said, if they catch this boy, they're going to kill him on the spot. So I talked to him. I said, listen, man, if these police get you, 
they're going to kill you on the spot. I said, let me take you home. And part of me was saying, this, this boy, he, he, he looked like a thug. He had on sweatpants, and it's obvious he got a gun, because when you have a gun and sweatpants, it's hanging down. It's obvious as day. So I said, and he young. So I said, man, please let me take you home. He said, well, stand the motorcycle up and let me ride. I said, you can't even walk. I can hear the sirens come. I said, man, you got to hurry up. You got to go because if, if the police come up, I'm leaving. He said, all right. I said, he said, but I can't leave the motorcycle. I said, you leave that motorcycle. You can get another motorcycle. You can't get another life. He jumped in the back of the truck. And I thought about it. I got this boy in the back of my truck. He got a gun in his pocket. <laughs> and, but you don't think about that till the last minute. And I, boy, I, I thought about it. I prayed. I'm like, Lord, don't, Jesus, don't let this boy shoot me in the back of the head. Then I start asking God for forgiveness because if I do go, I want to go straight to heaven. And we got to the bottom of the bridge. It was a road. It was construction going on. So the police went up this side of the bridge. But he just so happened to always leave the back seat laying down. So this boy passed out. Then he jumped up. Oh, my God, what happened? Where am I? I'm like, Lord, don't let this boy panic and pull this gun out. So I'm steady praying, Lord, be with me, be with me, be with me. I said, Lord, touch him. And I was praying for him. I was praying for me. And he kept passing out here, jump up. Where am I? What happened? So he got on the phone and he called his brothers and told them to come outside. So police came by me. And I'm thinking, relax. Just stay there. Police came by. Lady must be gave him description description of my truck. He came by my truck, slowed down, and he looked in. And all I could think about is the UPS. If he see this boy with this gun and they see me, they ain't gonna ask no questions. They gonna shoot. He slowed down, looked in my truck, but he didn't see the boy. He kept going, and it was more black trucks in front of me. So he kept going. I made a right turn, and I just. Went on through Riviera. But this boy kept jumping on. He kept saying, please, sir, take me home. I stayed and he gave me his address. Right now today, I remember his address. I took that boy home and when I got there, I thought about it. All these boys are young. Look like they know older than 18. And I'm thinking these young boys look like thugs. But I got to get out of that mindset because they already think that way about us. So when I went to the truck, they was like, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. But I'm saying to myself, they might look one way, but these are well-made boys. I said, listen, the police got a description of my truck. Get this gun, take it in the house, and get him. This so they lift him up. They took him in the house. And the police just coming down the street. They must be took the tag off the bike. I went to the store, and I was relieved. I said, okay, Lord, I got $2 in my name. Let me go buy me a soda. I wasn't going to spend my $2.
I said, let me look in the back of this truck because this boy kept asking where that gun at. I said, let me look in the back of this truck and see if this gun back then. I looked in the back of this truck. His wallet was back then. Wallet, ID, credit card, and this boy had cash money in there. And I'm like, I'm down to $2. <laughs> Can this be a blessing? Nah, I can't get my blessing like this. I said, nah, I can't get my blessing. But I thought about it now. So I took that money. I took the money back. I took the wallet back. And I took it to the door. And his dad came out. He said, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. You don't know what this means to me. And I gave him the wallet back. And they opened the wallet. They said, oh, my God, the money's still in there. And they stopped and turned and looked at me. And... I took a picture of his ID. That boy got to be 16, 17 years old. 16, 17 years old, so you know that gun was dirty. But I thank God. I'm not going to hold y'all long, but I'm here to say I'm grateful. I'm thankful. 2020, look at things through God, man. We have went through so much this year, especially me. I could sit here and complain and tell you all the stuff I went through. But the best thing to do is to look th look thing look at things through God's lens. When you look at things through God's lens, and you're more thankful for what you have. Appreciate the moment. Put away these petty issues that we have with one another. Stop pointing the finger at this person and that person. Let's deal with ourselves first. Let's deal with ourselves and stay focused on the mission that God has for us. And the mission is to be about our God, our God, about God's, about our Father's business. And that business is saving souls. When the Holy Spirit deals with you to talk to a person, go talk to that person. That little talk that you give a person may be the reason that person decides to go another route. It may keep a lot of our young men out of harm's way, out of trouble, out of prison, because of that one, t that one talk you had with them. Let them know you, you still love them. Let them know Jesus still loves them. Thank you. I love each and every one of you.